We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Happy to be with us here on a Monday morning on KMBZ. So this has happened again, um, where you have an artist supposed to show up at a concert and doesn't. And, and the crowd is not told for a long time, and they claim it's because of bad weather. <laughs> yeah, they said his plane was grounded. Uh, and, and interesting that I, I found an article from WKFR. This was in Allegan County, and it's from, I guess, a member of that radio station who was there at the concert. He said, by now, you've probably heard the fair's official reasoning for the last minute concert calculation or cancellation, rather, that Nelly's plane was trapped on a runway somewhere. But what really happened? Oh, here we go. And -hmm. could this whole fiasco have been avoided? Um, Yeah, they said the the whole thing seemed doomed from the start. Poor communication between staff and patrons. And uh, yeah, they said long lines wrapped around the midway hours before the gates opened. It was just it was a mess before they found out that Nelly wasn't even going to be there. And there seemed to be a lot of poor communication about it. Mm-hmm. Um, the opener was a guy named Trey London. Um, he apparently told the crowd that Nelly was waiting for them backstage. <laughs> no, that, that makes it harder to explain when he doesn't mm-hmm. come out. No. Um, and so the fair organizers came out with a statement and said, it's the announcement you never want to have to make, but here we are. And he, I think he was supposed to go out at like 8.15 or 8.30. Long past that time, he's still not there. And it's almost like the way that they put it is almost like the fair organizers were calling Nelly's people and saying, hey, what is he coming? Where's like, your guy? Where is he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, um, and again, this has happened, I can't remember who it was that we talked about, it wasn't Lionel Richie in New York, I can't think of who it was, but we just talked about this, where the same thing happened, where they said, bad weather, plane couldn't land. And again, I ask, you're timing this pretty close. I think you may be right. I think it, it might have been Lionel Richie. Uh, Am I? I, I I'm going to have to look it up now, okay. but yeah, it was a Madison Square Garden concert. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it was. Yeah, was he, it? Okay. he was. Yeah, well, August fifteenth. He apologized for missing his sold out MSG concert on Saturday. Yeah. So it was the same thing. He said his plane couldn't land. Yep. In this case, again, it's the same story. You have a bunch, and that's a pretty big deal. I mean, to get for a fair like this, Nelly's a big name to get for that. So you have hundreds and hundreds of people that are standing there waiting. They've been waiting for hours for this show to start, and somebody knew before 8 15 p.m that he was going to be stuck and not be able to get there (laughs) so why did nobody let the venue know what what happened there um they are offering refunds but fans are mad oh i'll bet because i i mean the cynic in me says 
Yeah, so for those three hours between the opening act and the fans just sitting there waiting for nothing, waiting for something that wasn't going to happen, how much merch did they sell? How many oh. how many cokes? How many beers? How many uh, you know hot dogs did they sell at the fair while the fans were waiting? Because you wonder if maybe that didn't have something to do with the fact that they didn't tell anybody sooner. They also said, yeah, um, food and drinks because they spent more time at the fair. Yeah. And so they just spent more money on other stuff while they were waiting. Um, I'm just scrolling up to know part of the story. Yeah. So we don't know where he was coming in from. What kind of weather was happening that you, um, and they said, I saw one version that said he was stuck, like he, he was stuck in his plane, which was not a good way to have put that, but the plane was grounded and couldn't get there. And, okay. And what can you do? I mean, for they first of all, they should know, and they should have known mm-hmm. long in advance, far in advance of when they told everybody, they should have known, okay, this isn't going to happen. And even day of, even if you're talking about a couple of hours before the concert to cancel, you're still going to have the same kinds of hard feelings. People are not going to be happy about the fact that they spent that money. E- e- refunds be damned, that they spent that money on tickets to go see a show that's now not going to happen. But I, how do you let it go that long before you say, hey, because you know you're going to have to make the announcement anyway. Right. And the longer right. the longer you wait, the worse the reaction is going to be. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of a scenario in which you wouldn't know until the last minute that you're not going to be able to make it there. And the only thing that comes to mind is if there was a sudden storm and the, and the plane just couldn't get off the ground. And yeah. maybe the storm was just sudden and it really couldn't leave. And there was no other way to get in there. That's the question I asked. I wish we knew where he was coming in from. I don't, I don't know where he lives. But did you know, like, could you have seen storms that were coming? Again, he just timed it to get there so close to when he was supposed to go on. Even Taylor Swift got here, you know, <laughs> earlier in the she day. She was here, yeah, hours before the show. Yeah. And that's, that's what makes me wonder about this is that did they not have some built-in time just to make sure, you know, just to make sure that he was going to be there. Um, most of the bands that I'm, you know, sort of intimately familiar with, they all travel by bus. They don't do a lot of airplane right. travel. And right. part of it is the money involved and the fact that you've got to bring your gear with you anyway. But another part of it is it's a lot easier to get there by bus. If you have to be late, maybe you're going to be 45 minutes late. Right. Yeah. So they're going to give refunds. I think people now are just so – and the fair goes all week. There hasn't, it hasn't been announced, like, if he's going to play another day, if he can, I don't know how packed his schedule is, but if he's going to do another day. Because that's what they did with the Lionel Richie show, uh, because that, he was scheduled at Madison Square Garden, I think there were four shows in a row, that it was Mm -hmm. a Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, or a Saturday, Sunday, Thursday, Friday of the next week. But either way, they were able to make everything up. Even the Saturday show that he missed was eventually rescheduled and everybody got to go. The, The problem with doing that at a fair in Michigan Mm-hmm. is that the fair is going to end right. <laughs> you know, once right. the fairgrounds are empty. I mean, I guess you could open back up for a one-night concert, but that logistically is a little weird. Or he can he make it right by – what town is this? Uh, it's Allegan, Michigan. I don't know. Okay, I don't I – don't, I don't know Michigan nearest, geography well enough. Yeah. I, you know, I know Detroit. The nearest decent-sized city with a venue similar size to what was going to be there at the fair – can he schedule a show somewhere nearby when he can just to just to make this right? Well, see, I no. just I just looked up Allegan, Michigan, and uh, you've got a choice. You can go to Kalamazoo, Lansing or Grand Rapids. 
So I, I mean, of the three, Grand Rapids is the largest city, but it's still Mm -hmm. not that big a city. So I I don't know what kind of, you know, venue they're going to have in Grand Rapids. But you only need to have availability for 500 people. Yeah. Right. I mean, it doesn't need to be massive, but. Or find a, some somewhere. Go to the fairgrounds. He could still go do a show at the fairgrounds, couldn't he? I guess. If the fair's not going on, yeah. he could still go. And I mean, they used to do. Stage. There was a, uh, the, the building at the Florida State Fairgrounds when I was down there was the Expo Hall. And they, they did concerts there year-round. So you don't necessarily need the fair to be going on. I just guess it's a little easier for him. Yeah. So hopefully um, he has made no statement, by the way. there's There's been nothing coming out of his, <laughs> out of his people, as you would imagine. All right. Moving on here. Um... Saw the story at a CNN, and you had seen this too about the airbag warning. I don't know enough about the chemical or the uh, the makeup of airbags and the physics of that, but 52 million airbags they say now should be 52 million because of an explosion risk. Again, we, we yeah. are at exactly the same place we were 10 years ago with the Takata airbags. This is not Takata, by the way. This is a company here in the in the U.S. Uh, called ARC uh, Pioneering Safety, the ARC Automotive Manufacturing Plant in Knoxville, Tennessee, where they make these airbags. And they do exactly the same thing. It's the igniter. Um, the, the way an airbag works is you put a whole bunch of compressed gas into that bag in a very short period of time, which is why a lot of times if you hear people that, that go through a crash where the airbag deploys, They'll tell you later about getting burned by the airbag. Not seriously, but it, I mean, it's, it gets real hot because that's mm-hmm. a lot of friction. So uh, what happened with the T- Takata airbags is it was, a, it was a collar that held that igniter in place that had a tendency when the igniter went off to fail. And then pieces of metal, shrapnel from that, from that collar, would go flying into the face of whoever was about to hit the airbag. Not an ideal situation. Uh, in this case, it's internal pieces of the igniter itself that are dislodging and, and flying into the airbag and potentially through it when it goes off. And so far, I mean, this is serious. The, uh, with Takata, they, I don't remember what the number of injuries and deaths were, but I believe I saw with this one, uh, it was uh, one death and nine serious injuries, seven serious injuries uh, that have been reported so far because of this thing. Why can we not figure out how to make these that don't just fall apart when they go off? Especially given how critical they are yeah. to keeping you safe in a crash. Like, this is a really important thing to get right. I had to look up 290 million cars are on the road right now in the U.S. So this is one-fourth of the airbags that we have. Well, I guess there would be two airbags in every car. But still, it's a significant number of the airbags in vehicles that are on the road right now. Yeah, it's I, it's huge. And and you've got to figure, I mean, if the if the driver's side airbag is faulty, the passenger side airbag is right. probably also faulty. That right. that they're going to use the same kind of igniters in both. But right now, it's and see this is and it was the total was 9. 7 injuries, 2 deaths have been reported so far because of these airbags that are made by ARC. The problem is that while NHTSA and everybody sane in the world is saying, we've got to recall these things, 52 million airbags, we've got to get these things back in here and, and put something in there that's not going to hurt people if they're in a crash over 35 miles an hour. And the company is dragging its feet. They don't want to do it. Money? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> oh, money. Absolutely. Too bad. Yes. Do it anyway. Um, can the federal government force a recall? Yes, they can, but they prefer not to. Uh, right now, 
according to this is from AP, they said in May, NHTSA, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, asked ARC to recall the inflators. Um, ARC is spoiling for what they're describing as a full scale court fight on the matter, which means oh, that, boy. yes, that, I mean, that would be the next step is for NHTSA to demand a recall. Um, they said messages left Tuesday seeking comment from ARC. They've not heard back. The company maintains no safety defect exists and that NHTSA's demand is based on a hypothesis rather than technical conclusions. Yeah, tell that to the two dead people. Right. Uh, they also say the agency has no authority to order a parts manufacturer to announce recalls. We'll see. Okay, so my legal question then is, now that the company has been warned and regulators have said, problem with 52 million of them, and now that that's all public and the company's denying there's anything wrong with them, my legal brain says the next time there's an injury or a death, you have a much bigger lawsuit on your hands because they already know there's a problem. I don't think you'll have to wait that long be, yeah. be, because there's an intermediary in here. What my suspicion would be is what's going to happen next now that NHTSA is involved in this court battle with ARC is that the manufacturers are going to step in and the manufacturers are going to sue ARC. They'll go after them because they know it's that they're going to potentially share some of that liability. If they know there's a problem with ARC airbags, they've got to stop using them right now because if they keep using them, that means they share some responsibility. They knew of a problem and didn't do anything about it. So if I'm Chrysler or Ford or GM or Mercedes or whoever buys airbags from these guys and I know that problem exists, first thing I'm doing is switching suppliers. Second thing I'm doing is calling my lawyers. Are there many suppliers of airbags? Are there... I did, Other you know, options? That, that's a question I do not know the answer to. Uh, I know Takata's out there, but like we said, mm -hmm. their name is, has been dragged through the mud here over the last few years as well. Although they seem to have solved their problems. So worldwide, that's a great question. I'll have to look into that and see if we can find out how many airbag manufacturers there are. I'm just curious, especially given how many we're talking about. Yeah, you know, maybe there are other manufacturers, but not that can mass produce that fast. If you, yeah, right. If you've got one company in Knoxville, Tennessee, that made fifty-two million of them, mm -hmm. that tells you that yeah, the options may be limited. We'll look into that a little bit, but just keep that in mind. Look at the list of cars because it's it's many many models out there. So just keep that in mind if you've got um, if you've got those airbags. Now, let me ask one more quick question. If you know that you have a car that one of these airbags is in, can you just go? To the man, can you go to your dealer and say, I saw this news story. I'm worried about my airbags and will they replace it? And will you have to pay for it? If you want to buy it, sure. Yeah. Um, that's what I, that's and, what I and they are not cheap. Really? Okay. Huh. All right. Not a good answer, but not, Sorry. not at Best all shocked by that one. Until there is, in fact, a recall. No, there's, there's not much you can do unless you want to spend the money yourself. And even at that, you may not be able to find a reasonable alternative. Yeah. All right. 913-586-7798. We'll take a break. Coming up here, the event that a city in Illinois had to cancel and why. Get to that coming up here on KMBZ. We go to Highland Park, Illinois for this next week. All you need to know about Highland Park is that it is an incredibly wealthy suburb of the city of Chicago. I couldn't even, I don't even know where it is. North side, probably. Um, it's, it sounds yeah, like it's it like on the north side. Northwest. Yeah. That's where the wealthy ones are. Yeah. That makes total sense. So that's the important thing to note here about this event. Yeah. <laughs> of all the places in the world where you were going to hold a poverty simulation event, 
Maybe one of the wealthiest Chicago suburbs isn't exactly the location you might want to be looking for, but that's what they were going to do. Due to public feedback, that event has been canceled, the city told NBC Chicago in a statement on Thursday. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, they, yeah, the northern Chicago suburb announced it was partnering with Alliance for Human Services to host a poverty simulation event to increase residents' understanding and awareness of what it's like to live in poverty in Lake County. Yeah, you know how you're going to show people how to live in poverty in Highland Park, Illinois? You're not. Participants were to be put into situations in which they do not have enough resources and are forced to make difficult choices that can negatively affect them and their families to be held at the Highland Park Country Club. <laughs> So, of course it was like, like, let's not put them in those situations that are too realistic because that'll heaven forbid we do this at community center or something. Mm -hmm. No, we're going to do it at the country club. So we're going to put you in situations where you might not have enough resources, but don't worry. They're going to be simulated, not real. I've got to make some hard choices here about all this oak and gold fixtures. What are we going to do without this? I mean, it's just going to be, it's, it'll be hell. Social media users were quick to slam the plan as unbelievable and grotesque. Yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. Um, let's see. Yeah, the statement. While we believe these types of events start community conversations that are crucial to combating poverty, the extensive social media response has overshadowed the event's purpose. Listen to average. How... Okay, go ahead, go please. Ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Uh, continue. Money. Let, let me just throw some figures out here real fast. Uh median household income. Mm-hmm. In Highland Park, uh, 153000 Zillow estimates the average home value is $643,000. <laughs> you, know, you know how I was talking about The Onion a little bit earlier? I swear mm-hmm. to you, this reads exactly like an article from The Onion. This is what you would expect to see in there, and yet this is absolutely real word for word. This is what that organization said was going to happen. They said... Participants in this immersive experience will begin to experience what a month in poverty feels like. The word month is in quotes. What a month in poverty looks like. Participants are put into situations in which they do not have enough resources and are forced to make difficult choices that can negatively impact them and their families. The outcome is increased awareness for the need for resources to support those living in poverty to create a more resilient health, human, and educational sector in our local area, you know, where all the poor people aren't. Participation is free, they go on, but registration is required. This month in poverty was going to take place Saturday, September 9th from 9 to 11.30 a.m. <laughs> Two and a half hours. Uh-huh. You're going to get a real immersive experience in what it's like to live a month in poverty in two and a half hours at a country club. Wow. Might I suggest to them <laughs> yes. that the alternative to this is get volunteers to go work at a shelter. Where poor or people prep are. prep meals or you know, go help in those neighborhoods a little bit. That's going to give them a better idea of what it's like to live in poverty. Have them go talk to some people who are in poverty. Yeah. That, maybe that's the, like, were they going to bring a few in or at as least, examples? Yeah, really, or at least get a good look at it. You know, maybe yeah. take a bus ride through the poor sections of town. Oh, uh, you know, wow. I mean, just two and a half hours at a country club. That must be rough. Don't worry. Be cocktails after. <laughs> Don't worry. Be fine. We'll get the, we'll get the comfortable chairs. Grand, Don't worry. Grandview is where we go next, where John's got a thing or two to say about this. Hello, John. Hello. I think they ought to 
go out and pick up a busload of uh, people living off the streets and everything and bring them into that country club and give them two and a half hours of free picking. How about that? Yeah, really. How about giving people who are actually poor a look at what it's like to be rich? Yeah, let them come in and take any fixtures they want us to pull off to go scrap and for, for money and, and uh, raid the kitchen, the cafeteria and all that. Yeah. I like the way you think, John. Well said. Oh, that's 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 actually a great idea. Instead of you know, trying to teach rich people what it's like to be poor, why don't we take a bunch of poor people and give them a glimpse? Yeah, like were they going to parade a few through the country club and say, "What is it like for you to have nothing?" Oh. Tell us. Tell us about your life of poverty. Unreal. <laughs> Nonetheless, though, they finally made the right call. Uh, all right, we'll take a break here. Coming up. There's a guy that wrote a piece, an essay, absolutely going off on what I thought was a pretty beloved actor and comedian. We'll talk about that coming up next year on KMBZ. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Taking your calls, 913-586-7798. We were talking about the story out of Highland Park, Illinois. Very, very wealthy area where they were going to do a poverty simulation event at the country club to teach rich people how to be poor or about being poor. Yeah, it seemed like a really terribly bad idea. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, we um, I mean, we were just uh, trying to figure out what the mentality was behind the decision to put something like that together and then to, and then to continue it right up until. And you wonder when, like, what what's the meeting like when all of a sudden the, the public reaction to this has gotten so loud and so negative that you just say, um, guys, I think we've made a horrible mistake here. Can we pull the plug on this before anybody notices we did it? Yeah, unbelievable. Okay, we had callers on the line, but they dropped, so we, uh, we'll move on here. Okay, um, Slate.com is where we go for this next story. And Slate is known for being kind of snarky, um, which, which fits with this. And you have a guy who wrote a very lengthy piece going off on actor Martin Short. Uh, let me just read to you for, for, for a second. I find Martin Short's whole shtick 
exhausting, sweaty, and desperately unfunny. <laughs> um, wow. Throughout his evolution, from sketch comedy standout to uneasy movie star, to twice failed talk show host, to enthusiastic song and dance man, I have wrinkled my nose. Every time he dresses up in a silly outfit or says something outrageous or mugs for the audience, I want to shout at the screen, why are you being like this? It goes on and on and on going off on how bad he thinks Martin Short is. And the reaction to this has been, again, loud and very negative against him, not against Martin Short. I mean, I, I, so many of the people that have come out in his defense, not like Martin Short really needs any defending. The guy's amazing. But uh, so many of the people that have come out, both from the comedy world and from just the acting world, Mark Hamill was one of the first people to come out and say, what are you on, man? Martin Short's mm -hmm. the best. Um. If you want to, if you have thoughts, nine one three five eight six seven seven nine eight, feel free to get in here. But he just, um, yeah, I mean, this is. I, I, in fact, I'm still trying to scroll to the end to try to to try to see where the end is here. <laughs> it takes a while to get there. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, and here's the thing: I don't, I don't have feelings about Martin Short. I don't. I, I've seen him in some things. What I really like about him is I find him endearing. Yeah. I don't know if he's funny, but I like him. I it, it depends on what you're looking for. And, and obviously, humor like everything else, like any kind of artwork, the reaction to it's going to be subjective. There will be people who hate what you do, no matter how good you are at it. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of Martin Short's best friends is Steve Martin. The two of them have been joined at the hip. And I mean, this lo long uh, precedes or, uh, the only murders in the building which is the series that the two of them have put together over the last couple of years. But they've been friends forever. And uh, my, my dad couldn't stand Steve Martin. I think the guy's oh, amazingly really? funny. But dad I love just, Steve Martin. Yeah, me too. But, but mm -hmm. dad, it was one of the very few things that we ever disagreed on is he just couldn't take him. And for a lot of the same reasons, because his his shtick early on was so over the top and so loud and so everybody look at me that it, it, that kind of thing can get cloying and get really old really fast but if you look at what else he's done if if you look at the other things that steve martin has done the comedic acting that he's mm -hmm. done and the same is true of martin short you can find a whole lot to like and and you also have to give yourself over to realizing that a lot of that over the top nature of it is them lampooning that Right. They're making fun of it by doing it. That's what the the character that he did, Jiminy Glick, the interviewer who everybody mm -hmm. hated because he was so grating and awful. Yeah. That's what that is, is he's making fun of interviewers. And there's plenty of them out there who are grating and awful. And so let's let's poke fun. At, let's poke a sharp stick in the eye of that and have a good time doing it. But I mean, Ned Niederlander in Three Amigos is fantastic and it's mm -hmm. much more understated it's not the whole muggy you know ed grimley kind of thing and it's just wonderful you're right it, that is to me that's his most endearing role the other thing about him if you don't know this about martin short and this is what a lot of the people that are commenting about this are saying is he lost his wife yeah when he was in 2010 um of ovarian cancer and kind of dropped out of the spotlight for a while after that to just kind of take care of the family and, and that kind of thing. But he still considers himself to be married. He has said, yeah, has conversations with her spirit and still considers himself to be married. That's the one thing I mean, in, in hearing interviews with him and conducting one actually years ago, a very, very short interaction. But have you ever had the opportunity to talk to Martin short? 
No, I have not. He is, and I say this with, again, you talk about being cloying. He's a sweet man. He's just a very sweet guy. You know, and and he's so deferential and so utterly Canadian <laughs> about yes. everything that he does. So for him, that's another thing that kind of makes him funny to me is that for that guy who is so sweet and understated and polite and all of this and, and deferential to play these characters that are so crazy and over the top. That's what I like about them is that, I, you know, you know, that's not really him that he puts that on, but he does it so well that it's easy for somebody like this slate writer to believe that that's who Martin Short is, that he's really that, I mean, the way that he put it, calling him desperate. He's not desperate. His characters are desperate. Mm -hmm. There's a big difference. Like, now I want to learn more about the guy that wrote this article. I want to look this guy up. And how little humor he has in his yeah. life. Yeah. <laughs> Dan, just curious to know what his background is. Dan, I don't know how we pronounce this. Uh, but Koyas, I guess. K-O-I-S. Yeah. yeah. Let's just see what his what, what his background is. Why I Hate Puppies and Rainbows by Dan right. Koyas. <laughs> he wrote um, a novel called Vintage Contemporaries and Three Nonfiction Books. Like How to Be a Family. And the fact that we've never heard of any of them. But this now is what he's known for. Now is this is this piece going off on Martin Short. Yeah, so. maybe that's what it was. He figured he had to make a name for himself somehow, so he was going to go and attack Martin Short. Let's see, who does everybody love that I can go right. take a you know take the pee out of? Like I don't want to go after Tom Hanks. <laughs> so because Tom Hanks might hurt him. Right, or like Dolly Parton. Like we don't want to go off on somebody who's absolutely beloved. Uh-huh. Martin Short is okay. Five thousand words later, there we are. Um, okay, moving on here um, to the story about this I-70 bridge that was <laughs> detonated over the weekend. Yes. The, what is the significance of this bridge? Oh, I just hate it. Uh, every time I have to go over, this is the Roachport Bridge. If you travel I-70 between here and St. Louis, you know that bridge because it's the one that, first of all, you have to go down into a, rav- a ravine to cross over it. It's also narrow and awful, and the approach to it has been under construction now for what seems like about 150 years. So it's it's a it's a metal superstructure bridge. It's a fairly long one. I think it's is it the Missouri that it goes over? I'm trying to remember. I think so. I, I think it Let is, but here. I'm not 100. percent It seems like yeah. geographically it would be okay. Yeah, it is the yeah, Missouri. Missouri or, mm. And um, and the one thing I mean. Other than it being narrow and and kind of spooky to go over because you have to worry, there's a, a zillion semis that go through there. And if you end up next to one of them while you're going over that bridge, it's not going to be a fun day for you. But uh, it it just has a tendency because it's in a ravine like that over a river to fog over and close anytime the weather changes. Mm-hmm. I got through it one time and, and was there, got over the bridge. And at the very next overpass, there were like 50 state troopers that were sitting there at the top of the overpass. I had no idea what was going on. They were getting ready to go close the bridge. Um, Let's see. So what did they say? Six million pounds of steel dropped into the river during a planned demolition Sunday morning. That they had Uh, to fog delay. That they had to put off the fog. (laughs) Yes. I don't know when it was supposed to happen, but it took place at 8.50 a.m. Yeah. After a fog delay. Um. Uh, What's just, cool about this, I the never. picture with all the boats in the water, Uh huh. have you seen that? 
Are those just spectators just yes. watching it come down? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's people hated this bridge so much that they showed up early on a Sunday morning to watch it explode. Uh, and sure enough, it did about an hour and a half late. But finally, yeah, it just dumped down into the river. Now, the good thing is the other bridge, which is just a regular, you know, concrete and steel bridge now mm-hmm. uh, with no superstructure over top of it, is open. So it didn't affect traffic on I-70. They had already rerouted everybody away from the bridge, from the old bridge onto the new one. But, uh, it, yeah, when they dumped it in the water, that means – and they had to get it out fast. Mm-hmm. The, uh, they, I think they had, what, 24 hours? Or was it 72 I don't know. I think it, it was a very short period of time that uh, I'm, I'm assuming it's the Department of Natural Resources or Environmental Regulation told them, okay, you can't just leave 6 million pounds of steel sitting in the in the Missouri River. It was 24 hours. 24 yeah. hours, it was, yep. okay. Uh, and they had to go and, and cut it all up and get it all out of there. I mean, all hats off to the construction workers who pulled that off. But now that horrifyingly terrible bridge is a, nothing but a memory. Dumb question. Is there any other way to do this than to drop 6 million pounds of steel into the water? Probably not any way that's really efficient. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, are there are there dangers to the water then in having whatever you're using to blow up the bridge, yeah. having all that in the water then? Is there any way that you can dismantle it if you without could, it all falling in the river? Like reverse construction where you just take yeah. it down the same take way you put it up in reverse? Yeah. I don't know near enough about the construction of a bridge to answer that, but uh, I'm guessing that this was the cheapest and easiest way to do it. Money. Yep. Yes. So I assume 24 hours was this morning. So we assume I hope they're done. everything is good to go. Because we haven't heard differently. So. I am looking forward to my next trip over to St. Louis, though, so I can see what the new bridge feels like. Words no one has ever said, ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not, not to <laughs> get there. Now. I just I go see my kids every so often, you know? Sure, yeah. It's just a, just a way to go. All right, we'll take a break here. Coming up to wrap the hour, speaking of driving, uh, what a woman did when she found a snake in a car, how she didn't wreck is amazing, but we'll get to that here coming up on KMBZ. All right, so we kind of have a good news, bad news little bit to do here with snakes we'll get to the one out of australia here in a second because that's awful this one's bad too but at least this ended better yeah woman was driving down the road like you do looked over into the little footwell on the passenger side and saw the snake looking up at her no no i i I don't know what you do what the proper reaction is in that situation other than just flop over dead while the car is still moving which probably isn't the best idea but it'd probably be what i'd do she and she was on the interstate. Yeah. So, you know, in theory, she's going 70, 75 miles an hour. <laughs> uh, this is in South Carolina. And uh, yeah, four feet long, not a thick snake, but long. I mean, four feet's not an individual snake. So she was able to call 911, um, which I guess is what I would do too. Like, who do you call to come get the snake out of your car? Sure. Call 911, I guess. They sent Highway Patrol. She stayed calm enough to pull over onto the shoulder and wait for help to arrive. Is that not the fastest you get out of your car and slam the door shut ever? Yeah. I I mean, that's where you put your flashers on and you don't wait for a good spot to pull over. You just 
Like, don't slam your brakes, but like get over as fast as you possibly can. Anytime you you have something that's slithering or crawling or otherwise making its way around your car that isn't supposed to be there, it's just such a horrifying thing because you know there's that period of time that it's going to take you to pull over and get the door open and get your seatbelt off and shut the car off and put it in park or put it in park and then shut it off and and get out of the car and all you're thinking about is okay that's probably about thirty seconds. This thing's going to be on me before I can get out. I know it is. I just know it's going to attack at any second. But in this case, thankfully for her, it didn't. It did crawl up onto the dashboard, which, uh-huh. which made it really easy for the trooper who responded to just reach in and grab the thing, which is what he did. So a senior trooper took the call and asked his buddy, a sergeant, if he wanted to tag along. And he said, yes. <laughs> you want to go out on the snake call? Yeah, he said it was something different, so we were going to go have a good time. Um, I don't know how far away from the car she was standing when they got there, but she said she was stressed. Um, And yeah, they just opened the car door and grabbed it with one hand behind the head and another on the tail and just got it right out of there. They said like it was a cute little kitten. Yeah, there there were two quotes in this article I dearly love. One was from her where she said, yeah, this trooper had to be a good old country boy. He reached in there, grabbed the snake, and pulled him out like it was a cute little kitten. And the other one came from the trooper himself who said it was a good thing I got there because she wanted to burn the car. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I get it. Uh, And they just released it into a swamp. Uh Uh-huh. After uh, it's a king snake. Yeah, king snake. So it's not venomous. It wasn't going to do any damage to her, but uh, they they mostly eat other snakes. But still, there's something about that. And if you don't know, I mean, I wouldn't be able to say, oh yes, that's a harmless king snake. Everything's fine. I would have no idea. So I'd have freaked out just like she did. No, absolutely no way. Like, how how do you ever get back into that car and not <laughs> always be looking around? Yeah. It's like whenever I find a spider in my bathtub, which happens occasionally. Every time before you t- you get in your tub, you look now to make sure there's not a big spider there. Oh, big time, yeah. That's what you do. That's like, what do you keep in your car for that? When when I had the scorpion crawl out of the uh, yeah, it crawled out of the the uh, heater vent on my oh old my car. Oh. And I mean, and it was the heater vent closest to me too. It was the one on the driver's side. I was driving the car going about 40 miles an hour. And the girl that was in the car with me pointed over and said, what's that? And I said, it's the heater vent. She said, no, what's that on top of it? And I pulled over and went, that's a scorpion. We're out of here. <laughs> and of course, in that case, it just crawled back into the heater vent. So it was still there. Now, what do you do? Hope it heats to death hope, hope it fries turn and your the engine heater somehow. on full blast that's right <laughs> yeah do something to get your your engine really hot and oh, so hopefully it cooks it just awful i never did find that thing again thankfully it didn't come back out and sting me then we go to australia for this one of course uh you have a couple of men that were at um an event celebrating the 100th anniversary of a school and a guy is there with his buddy and a snake, I need to see what kind of snake this was. It was a venomous brown snake um, coiled around the buddy's leg, these two guys. So the second man tried to remove it and was bit in the arm in the process and, and did not ki- make it. No, it killed him. It, they, I think, is, is the Australian brown snake the second most venomous snake, second, second deadliest snake after the mamba? I, I think that's right. It's way up on the list. I mean, like you always say, everything in Australia wants to kill you. And yep. the Australian brown snake has a terrible reputation for two reasons. Number one is it's it's very, very deadly. Its venom is incredibly deadly. They said they got this guy 
to an ambulance. They were doing everything they could. They tried CPR on him, and he just never he was never able to respond, and he just died. But uh, the other thing is is that it's a highly aggressive snake, which is why it coiled onto his buddy's leg like it did in the first place. They will come after you. They're not like rattlesnakes where they just want you to go away. They'll they'll come right out after you. And yeah, it's a bad day for you if they do. At this time of year, they are breeding, so they're out looking for a partner. They said, um, yeah, it thirty. Yeah, like you said, thirty minutes they worked on this guy. So the other guy was fine. Yeah, because they he it got the snake him. off his buddy. It didn't didn't hurt him, and he got him off. And then the the sixty nine year old man died instead. Okay, um, moving on here while we have a couple seconds to this Boston story about this woman that was walking the dog <laughs> hit by lightning. Thankfully, she did live. I'll save you the, the heartburn on that one and tell you that, yes, she did survive this. Yeah, she was just out walking her dog. And it was one of those truly, I mean, this is where the term bolt out of the blue comes from. It wasn't bad weather. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't, you know, clear blue sky, but it wasn't horrible weather either. So just, she just went out to walk her dog and lightning struck her. They said it went in through her chest and there was an exit wound. I I just found out fairly recently, like over the last couple of years that this happens. Did you know that, that you get two burns? I'd heard that, yeah. When that you're there's struck- one in and one out yeah. in a weird way. And yeah. it, it went in through her chest and then out through her back near her tailbone. But when it did, it ignited her pants and they burned off of her completely. Imagine that, I mean, you're recovering from being struck by lightning, and then you wake mm-hmm. up to realize that you don't have any pants on because they've been burned away by the lightning strike. Um, I Thankfully, I've never been through that process, but I just, I, I couldn't even imagine what must have been going on with her. And I would assume then, I mean, if it's that kind of a burn, that it would burn your clothing that fast. Yeah. I can only imagine then what the burns to her, Ooh, yeah. her skin and her body were like. What, does it, what does it do inside your body? Yeah, yeah. They said officials say that she was blown back by the impact, but not, uh, not a second person that was with her was blown back by the impact, but not actually struck. She suffered the strike, though. And uh, yeah, her, her pants were burned away. She had a wound on her chest and one from one on her lower back. She was taken to Boston Medical Center, but her current condition is unknown. What we do know is she lived through it. But, the, yeah, that's that's going to take a lot out of you. Amazing. Wow. Um, yeah. I thankfully have never been through anything close to that. And then we have this bowling alley brawl, <laughs> which I just love that you have women throwing bowling balls throwing bowling. at each other. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, this this one takes us to the uh, the booming metropolis of East Longmeadow in Massachusetts. Also a Massachusetts story, by the way. That's where the lightning strike happened. But yeah, uh, according to the authorities there, absolute chaos ensued. At a large-scale brawl that broke out at a bowling alley in East Longmeadow and ended with several individuals arrested, Officer Zachary Perembo was the first to arrive on the scene and described it as absolute chaos with 10 to 15 people actively fighting, chairs and bowling balls flying through the air in all directions. Uh, He quickly restrained and handcuffed two different women who he allegedly saw raise bowling balls over their heads to throw at other people. Um, other people described as active aggressors in the fight and first responders said multiple people were treated for injuries, but ultimately no serious wounds on anybody, which is stunning. 19, 19 and 21, the ages (laughs) of the people that they arrested, just to give you an idea. 
All right, uh, we'll take a break here. Coming up in the next hour, there's a new study out that says opposites actually don't attract the way that we want to think. We'll get to that coming up here on KMBZ. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.